You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, Derek Piper and I talk Chicago Bears. We actually do a little bit uh, towards the end of this. But no, we're talking Illinois basketball's 74-57 win over Colgate. They come out of the gates firing. 14-0 lead. Kind of faded a little bit late. Colgate gets within nine within the final couple minutes. But Illinois holds on. 74-57. Dominated really from the start. Never really threatened for the most part. But uh, nice balanced performance. Coleman Hawkins, 16 points. Marcus Damask and Quincy Garrier with 15 each. Terrence Shannon, 14 points, all in the first half. What's it mean? What's it say about this team? Derek Piper and I break it down. We talk about Ty Rogers, one of his better games of the season. And we look ahead not only to the Bragging Rights game, which has not gone well for the Illini, losing four or five, but also the Big Ten, because it was a pretty dang good weekend for the rest of Big Ten basketball. We talk about what that means for the Illini. And yes, we talk a little bit about the Bears blowing it, their coaching staff, what we want out of the team the rest of the year. So if you want to hang around for that, we get into that. We just had to talk about it a little bit as Bears fans because it's an interesting time uh, for the Chicago Bears franchise. But no, we talk Illini basketball for the next 35 minutes. So sit back, relax. Derek Piper joins me next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. You're looking to spice up that Illini wardrobe? Well, I've told you guys this once. Hear it again. Homefield Apparel, they're a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. And what they do is they emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They have designs from over 150 colleges to choose from, but you guys care about Illinois, and they got some great Illini gear. The Script Illini, the Rose Tee that they have, the Ringer Illini Basketball Tee. You can get logos from the best eras of Illinois basketball and football, including that Flying Illini Tee and uh, the logo from the 2004-05 basketball team. Because that's what Homefield does. Their designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They're all about authenticity and nostalgia. And if you're thinking for last-minute holiday or birthday ideas for anybody who roots for any team, go to Homefield Apparel. I'm telling you guys, give their site a look. It's not the typical Illini gear you see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their collection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with discount code Illini23. That's 15% off your first order with discount code Illini23. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the season. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Derek Piper, Jeremy Warner, let's talk some Illini hoops. Is They take care of business, Derek. 74-57 win over Colgate. You and I have covered this long enough to know that finals week sometimes uh, can get a little interesting, especially when you've played some big opponents. You get a week off, you get a mid-major in here. Well, Illinois, I thought they were mature. Uh, looked like they had a bunch of fifth and sixth year guys out there, and they find a way to uh, you know, put the foot to the metal, uh, pedal to the metal right away, I should say, and go up 14 nothing. Never really in doubt. There were some late lapses there, Derek, but that was a nice response for Illinois. I, I think Brad Underwood had his team prepared and just it looked like an older team. Yeah, no doubt. To go up 14 nothing to throw those first couple of punches, Terrence Shannon igniting that early, that shows leadership, that shows assertiveness. We talked about that all offseason, and really, I mean, he's been as good as you can imagine or would have hoped going into this year. So uh, his impact, being able to take advantage of that mismatch early, gets the switch and, and pops that early three, and that just ignited a, a good momentum offensively. That tie did some really good things, uh, passing and facilitating, uh, even being – Illinois' point guard, we haven't seen him be in that position to have a lot run through him. I thought he was really able to set some guys up early in that game, and that that stretch really was a big difference maker, setting the tone and making Colgate chase the rest of the way. And uh, Yeah, for Terrence to do what he did defensively, uh, five blocks, and uh, be a big big part of Braden Smith, who's their leading scorer, being held down and only have two points on the game. And I, I just liked Illinois' approach. I, I liked the fact that they took Colgate very seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brad talked him up all week, which was good. Uh, they, they didn't get surprised by uh, some quality mid-major team coming into their building. And, uh, yeah, I mean, last year it's easy to just pull up that one. I mean, there have been probably a number in the past where you go through a finals week. It's kind of mentally taxing, as, as Brad talked about after this one, to get out of your routines. But – uh, Alabama and A&M last year you're like up one on a Ken Palm 330 team with like 10 minutes to go and uh, yes Colgate did make it a little interesting but too little too late for them and uh, Illinois even though offensively things weren't all that pretty in the second half they, they rebounded well enough to be in control uh, they had a number of guys step up Quincy Garrier in the second half was really good Coleman had his moments offensively Marcus Damask in, in closing time getting to that booty ball uh, so it was just a a balanced, well-rounded performance and, and one that you – anytime you can take care of business against a team that's probably going to be in the NCAA tournament for the fourth straight year, like that's that's uh, what, a, what a quality team and a mature team definitely does. I'm thinking back, like a month ago, you know, they had these three lower-level opponents and they kind of didn't show up in the first half, Derek. That might have been more of a team just figuring out each other's roles, figuring out each other, how to play when the lights are on. Because we were talking, after Eastern Illinois, Oakland, Valpo, they were like trailing in, in all those games at points, right? Marquette, they came out and played well. Kansas, they came out and played well. But really, since then, the last month, this team, I, I don't have to worry about 
whether they're going to show up or not, or if they're going to bring it, be prepared. And, and listen, that should be expected in Brad Underwood's program. But when you have turnover, when you had issues like last year, uh, to come out and you know spank Rutgers, to come out and play like you did against Fort Atlantic and Tennessee, uh, where you gave yourself a chance to win, and then to do this with Cole, Colgate, I, I think it's business-like. And I've never questioned this team, especially over the last month, about their pre- preparedness, their intensity, their physicality. Uh, they usually pretty locked into the scouting report. Uh, it kind of failed them late in this game. Their defense kind of slipped, but um, I, that, that's got to be really reassuring to Brad Underwood after the ups and downs of last year. Yeah, definitely a breath of fresh air uh, after last year. Yeah, when you didn't know which Illinois team was going to show up, and they got off to so many slow starts. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a trend there. I, I had done it. I think it maybe was after the, the Oakland game or the Valpo game. I can't remember which one that – Illinois had gone like 10 straight games without having a lead after the first media timeout. And now that uh, that, that goes back to last year where they weren't uh, in positions early where they were starting fast. So uh, now they seem to have cleaned that up to come out with urgency. I mean, yeah, the, the Valpo game, they what trailed at halftime and Eastern wasn't very impressive early. So uh, I do think now that they are more in rhythm offensively. It seems like their identity is, is more established. They know the spots they want to get to they, they're getting Marcus in those mid post matchups and really that's that's kind of the key word for Illinois offensively is matchups hunting yeah. those out uh trying to to find weak links trying to find size uh advantages for themselves so I think that's been a a good thing as they progress forward and it does allow you to be more more steady at that end and yeah their defense uh is is very good like it's a very good defense um and it's one that when they're rebounding, especially not giving up those second chance opportunities. They obviously got hurt by that against Tennessee a little bit. Um, so, you know, they did a good job of that, uh, of being able to lock in and, you know, Ty goes to the glass, Quincy goes to the glass and uh, it's, it's a maturity about this team and it's just a steadiness. We, we expected an older team to be more steady uh, with some more solidified leaders like Terrence being in that role. And obviously for him to be playing as well as he is, uh, I think that is kind of a follow my lead type of guy, mm-hmm. which allows Illinois to be in in good positions and not get yourself where you're, you know Colgate's a team that if you let them jump out early, if you have to chase them or they're neck and neck and they got confidence and you let some guys get going, uh, that's a squad that can can pull an upset on you. So uh, I think especially as you start to forecast forward, like you're you're a better team than Missouri. To come out with the intensity and execute, you should win that game. I know that game's been. Uh, a tough one for Illinois uh, in recent years, but even just going into the Big Ten where uh, Illinois is going to be better than the team they line up against most nights. And if, if they have that same type of intensity and just the uh, the mental focus and not to have the highs and lows emotionally that they had last season, it'll, it'll allow them to be a consistent team and, and take care of business as they should. Derek, after this game, we're sitting there going, like, who's my star of the game? Right? You have four guys score 14-plus points. Coleman Hawkins, 16-7 and seven on 6 of 14 shooting. Quincy Garrier, we'll talk about him here in a second, 15 points on 4 of 6 shooting with 7 boards. Marcus Damask, 15 points, closed the game extremely well. 7 points in the last three and a half minutes. And then Terrence Shannon, uh, 14 points uh, with those five blocks. But I went with Shannon just because – that first half, he set the tone. All of his points came in that half. He had three blocks, which are tied a career high for him, uh, including that ridiculous ter- – uh, I call it the Terrence Shannon now, I guess, but it's the LeBron chase down blocks. I, we've talked about it before. It's weird to put him in that category, but there's like 
that's what he does. His like physicality at this level is like LeBron. That athleticism at, at this level, um, it's it's insane what he's able to do. And sometimes I just want to pull back and be like, we got to talk about how good this guy is every time. The second half he didn't score. There were some lapses, some turnovers there. So you want to fix that a little bit. But I, I don't worry about him. But he set the tone, man. And defensively. He just completely shut down Braden Smith, who I know in your scouting report, like this is the guy you need to slow down. Uh, one of the top assist rates in the country, averages 14 points. Braden Smith had two points on one of seven shooting, four assists, two turnovers. Um, he basically took him out of the game, and he was locking him up for almost the entire 38 minutes he was on the court. So, yes, Terrence Shannon should do that to Braden Smith, but he did it. I, I, that's, uh, he he's just continues to play at an All-American level, even if it was only for one half tonight. Yeah, and it's that buy-in defensively where I don't think we had that on a night-to-night basis last year where, I mean, he's been one of the most athletic guys in the Big Ten, maybe even in the country, and, and for him to grade out like he did at the NBA Combine, obviously we know his north and south is, is as good as anybody. Get him in the open floor offensively, uh, and that's going to be something that's just a it's, – it's traumatizing for anybody to try to, to stop that, especially when you're kind of in that, that mid-to-low major where you don't have the athletes – to match up with that but yeah defensively when you think about 6'6 think about 220 225 and, and he's, he's lateral he's, he's got an ability just with his long wingspan to to be impactful too and, and he's he's taking it personally this year that he, he his line that you know kind of makes you laugh is you know I I didn't like I don't like getting scored on it makes me mad is what he says so uh he's he's definitely set that tone in that type of a sense so uh, I love it I think that's great when you we, we saw it with Io where he had stretches where he started to really, you know, take it personal on some of those those big time matchups defensively and, and that just rubs off on everybody else, mm-hmm. I feel like. So uh when he's doing that and, and yeah, I mean, uh as far as the offensive game, I, I saw D Brown tweet out, I don't know if you caught it as well during the game and said, you know, Terrence and Io are the most electric guys in transition that I've seen wearing an Illinois jersey. That was maybe a little bit of humble too much humble pie for D because he's in that category too. But I mean, I I think I talked about this. And I, I think he'd be fine with it. Derek Burson, who's the Illinois uh, spokesman, sports information director. I was asking about this. I'm like, I don't. Do you have anybody who compares to him? I'm like just physically, because you and I have talked about this. I just don't know covering a guy like he's a three inch taller Avante Rice. Like that's the the guy with the power, speed, athleticism. But Ray was six three, right? Like Terrence is six six. Looks like a NFL edge rusher out there. Um, but he's saying, you know, Io was the fastest in transition. Like he was the best in transition. But Terrence is just a freight train, right? You, you got to get out of the way. And he had six straight points in transition there in the first half that just Illinois kind of pulled the game away. Um, but he said D is probably the best at just getting out, right? Like he's, you could get the ball to Darren, D's just running down the court and nobody could catch him. He's probably, you know, as fast as anybody. But Io just being 6'3 like that. But you've had two guards in a row there for, for Brad Underwood. I mean, Brad Sturdy and I were talking before the game. I'm like Illinois fans, are, they they don't probably remember what it was like to not have an All American because Terrence is like the third one in a row here uh, for Brad Underwood. It's been been a nice run. So I know you want more. I know you want the point guard. It's a good time for for Illinois basketball. Like this, Andy uh, Bernard asked, "You wish you knew the good old days when you're in them." This feels like a good old, good old day for Illinois because. They're an NCAA tournament team, Derek. I think they're going to be a top six seed. I thought Brad Underwood and Coleman Hawkins made a good point of it's like a 3-14 game, 4-13 game. I think they got the confidence that they're going to be that, and I think they'll be in the mix for that. 
Yeah, I mean, there were a number of years we covered where you didn't even have a guy to put in the conversation of like first team all, all Big Ten, team. if not maybe second team. Uh, and now you got a guy, you know, it seems like almost every year, like you're saying, that we talk, oh, All-American, right? You know, Io, Kofi, and then, and then now Terrence. So uh, it, it's fun. It's fun watching him uh, do what he does. And you give him a you give him a scene in, in the open court and it's yeah. over. Um, I thought Col- Colgate did a better job in the second half. of They, they really seemed to like, commit two guys to him defensively as soon as he got the ball in the open court and like sent two guys at him and then made him give it up but uh he you know the damage was done for the most part there in that first half when he got all of his points and uh, some other guys picked up the slack there uh to, to close that thing out but man i i know you know jeff goodman was in attendance national guy said i don't know there's a better fast court uh fast break player in, in college basketball than, than shannon and maybe not a better wing in all of college basketball yeah. than Terrence shannon and right now the the numbers support that so just enjoy the ride with that dude for sure the two guys might be former teammates kevin mcculler and Terrence shannon texas tech fans going what the heck has happened here uh speaking of like teams are going to just try and stop Terrence shannon because you have to send two guys at him that means other people got to step up uh we've seen quincy garrier do that last two games 36 points five of ten from three over those two games uh, that's been a huge sign. Then Marcus Damask got back to being Marcus Damask, really closed this game well, started one for six shooting, but he didn't really assert himself early on. Maybe didn't have to with Quincy doing it, with Terrence doing it, Ty creating for others. Uh, but I, I liked seeing that confidence late of using his big body, those post-ups, Derek. So I, I'll throw to you, what was more encouraging, Marcus Damask 15 tonight or Quincy Garrier with 15 on four of six? I think I'll go slight edge to Quincy. I, I like the momentum he's building. Yeah. You know, the guy that couldn't buy a three really for a handful of weeks there uh, as he went on with the wrist, and you wondered, you know, at what point is he going to get back to shooting the three as well as he did at Oregon last year? You know, 35% in that range. He's really made nice strides over his career to be a, a re- reliable and, and someone that you got to respect from the outside as a catch-and-shoot guy. I love the fact that – and Brad – you know, answered this when I asked him about it, you know, you got to make the three to make the guys close out on you. But I, I love the fact that he can drive closeouts. Like if you're going to go, if he's going to kick it, you know, get the kick to the corner or, or on the, the wing that uh, if people try to, you know, bear down on him and get a hand up, he's someone that uh, I think an underrated part of Illinois offense right now is he can drive in the lane and draw can- contact. And obviously if you're not going to foul him. He can finish at the rim and uh, a guy that can play above the rim too. He's had some big dunks. Uh, so far this season as well so uh, not to discount Marcus I, I just I don't worry a ton about Marcus I know the Indeed. Tennessee performance wasn't uh, wasn't very pretty and it was uh, maybe a crash back down to earth a little bit I I think as we've talked about I think it's probably somewhere in between the consistency of you know FAU and then Tennessee I, I think he'll be in that 15 uh, some nights he'll, he'll definitely score 20 uh, but I just think for Quincy to to show that confidence to, to really get this thing building it just adds another another layer to this offense uh, to where you have Terrence is the unquestioned a option. Marcus can, can be a guy that you you throw the ball into on the, on the mid post and uh, made a big three late uh, to really kind of pull away as well. And uh, if Quincy's going to be that next option, Illinois is just that much harder to deal with. So I love what he's done the last two games. Can we talk about a a good Coleman Hawkins game? Is that allowed here, Derek? Um, Every game that he's been back, six against Rutgers, nine against FAU, 12 against Tennessee. I know he had 4-13 shooting after a 4-9 of nine start. But 16 points, 6-14 of 14 shooting. It's his first game 
Uh, since coming back, over shooting over 40%, made two of six from three, took some good in-rhythm ones tonight, seven rebounds, two steals, did have four turnovers. Uh, Illinois got sloppy there in the second half, but I love what he's bringing. I, I love what Coleman Hawkins is doing, like some of these mid-range things that he did. He had some really good passes to his teammates, um, and I thought he battled defensively against Jeff Big Country Woodward, one of my favorite players we've seen good so far it, this year. Um He's, cra- he's he's crafty. I like it. It's like the Marcus Domask. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's playing really well. And uh, his emergence, like Terrence is starting to get help. That's what I'm very encouraged by. Since Hawkins has come back, Quincy with the back-to-back games, Domask since, you know, Rutgers, finally getting the supporting cast around Terrence Shannon. And those are three seniors that I think you can count on uh, every night. So that's been really encouraging. We talk about Coleman's impact all the time, but him scoring two, that's going to be really important. So to get 12 at Tennessee, 16 in this game against a mid-major, I think is really encouraging. Yeah, that's huge to have a number of guys that you can kind of rely on to chip in. And even if Terrence is going to have an off night, uh, to have a chance to still be able to get done. And really in that first half, it was first half against Tennessee was a good example of what Quincy and Coleman were doing to put you in a position just, you know, to have a lead, even though Terrence and Marcus were uh, struggling that much. But uh, I think Coleman has found uh, a little bit, obviously, more of a rhythm offensively. I think he is taking uh, better threes. I thought he was composed tonight uh, for the most part in terms of taking them in rhythm. And I like kind of – I think it was was Ty in that, that free throw line extended at one point. Maybe it was Luke uh, where he kind of – there. Mm-hmm. Colgate goes zone. Coleman has it at the top of the key, throws it in, gets it pitched back, realizes that he, you know, he's open and just in, in rhythm, pops that with, with confidence and makes it. So – uh, that's a that's a great play. That, that's obviously something that makes him being a stretch big really maximizes what you can do offensively when he's making that shot. So uh, he's also a guy that, yeah, as you mentioned, can can make good passes, has a nice no look on the baseline, I think, to, to tie uh, at some point in that first half. And then defensively, I mean, you take it for granted at this point, I feel like just the amount of deflections he gets, just uh, positioning that he does well. I mean, Woodward's got a lot of – a lot of weight on him, but I felt like he was doing a pretty good job of contesting uh, on those matchups too. And I mean, uh, Keegan record was a guy that, I mean, he's preseason player of the year uh, in the Patriot league. I know Coleman drew that assignment early and he didn't do a whole lot. I think he had maybe nine points or he was definitely in single uh, digits as far as his scoring and and Coleman had something to do with that as well. So uh, that's important. And and I think that, yeah, Coleman's going to have some, any game you can, draw a couple of, of plays where it's like, okay, you wish you had that one back. But, I mean, come on. I mean, Terrence has that too. Yeah, Terrence is going to have those turnovers. Like, if you have the yeah. ball that much, you're going to have that many turnovers. And Coleman's going to have those. Uh, I think the upside right. of it is, you know, his positives will far outweigh the negatives that bother people for the most part. Now, there can be games where the yeah, negatives right. do, but uh, for the mo- like, they are so much better when he's on the court. I, but I do want to mention, Derek, Dane Danger gave good minutes tonight. And, and again, it comes against a mid-major. That's, that's where you kind of you know, qualify. But five points, eight rebounds in 14 minutes. And Brad did play Dane and Coleman together for a couple minutes. He said after the Tennessee game he wanted to do that. Um, the biggest number for Danger might be one turnover in 14 minutes. But the rebounds were really encouraging to me. He got after it, especially in the offensive glass. Had three offensive rebounds. Only really did a, a nice job on second-chance points here. But are you buying? Like, are we going to see more of that? Do, do you think Hawkins Danger can actually – be on the court together for extended minutes is that something illinois will want to do and just what do you see for danger moving forward 
I think they can do it given the matchup. You know, like Indiana obviously uh, plays yeah. big, so you, you could do that for sure in, in that type of a matchup. Uh, I think in general, if you're thinking offensively, uh, a big part of you know trying to exploit matchups is the unique matchup that is Coleman at the five uh, because he can space the floor. Although, I mean, there's no doubt that Dane on the block when he's playing his best is uh, a nice ability to to go in and get the ball close to the rim and. Uh, he can he can score it in there uh, and, and has been the guy that obviously can go left hand right hand does need to settle down a little bit more I, I thought today he was more composed he actually passed it out at times like that was I think a step forward instead of trying to do too much and and try to force the the issue or you know had a couple of times where things crashed down on him and he kicked it back out and uh, yeah and then I, I just love this rebounding energy I think it's something that's going to get him on yep. the court uh, those second chance uh, putbacks and whatnot so uh, I thought his minutes were good. I do think it's something that Illinois can do. Uh, Brad did mention, you know, last year their offensive numbers weren't very good uh, in, in those matchups. Well, it's because I think twofold, you know, Dane's presence around the basket kind of hurts Terrence Shannon's ability yeah. to get the rim at times. It kind of clogs things up. And then also Coleman has to shoot the three at a decent level to really make that pairing work. If Coleman's going to be, as he was last year, sub 30% three-point guy, that allows teams to kind of cheat inside and that that hurts Dane and, and then you kind of get that uh mashup as well so and Quincy's um, just better like he's yeah, it's just like when, really you, well. when you got Quincy and Coleman playing like they are it's it's going to be a spot role uh for Dane Danger but if he brings that rebound intensity uh and, and you know just is smart with the basketball doesn't over dribble uh I think he'll be all right I, I we should shout out Ty Rogers too uh one of the better games of the year Brad Underwood said it was his best game of the year Four points, five assists, eight rebounds, one turnover. Obviously, you know, Colgate's guards didn't do anything, uh, part because of Shannon. Rogers struggled a little bit defensively in the second half as they made their run. Uh, I do like he didn't make enough at the rim, but I did like his assertiveness in, in seeking out shots. Like, I don't mind five shots a game from Ty Rogers if they're around the rim. Didn't get a couple of them to go, but uh, he looked comfortable. Brad Underwood said before the game, told you guys he's, he's settling in. That was a nice performance. I'd, I'd just like to continue to get him more confidence in, in taking those attempts at the rim and not passing them up. I mean, we've seen the Ben Simmons thing with him early in the year where he's passing up open layups. Go for it. If, if you miss it, oh well, but I'll, I'll take some of those growing pains with him because if he can give you four to seven points you know, a night, that's just huge for this team because he does everything else well. Just make defenses think about you. Yeah. I don't know that Tennessee really had to all that much. He didn't attempt a field goal in that game. Only had one field goal attempt against FAU. So, uh, yeah, I, I like his aggressiveness. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, like, his ability in the off the bounce. He had a nice driving kick to Quincy. He had a uh, hit Coleman on a pick and roll. I do think it's worth noting. I think Brad made a good point about, you know, if Coleman could kind of mix up what he does off the ball screen, sometimes he dives, sometimes he pops. That That's a good thing as well. And uh, it seemed like, you know, it wasn't just lip service by Brad to say, hey, I'm getting more comfortable with Ty because the ball was in Ty's hands early in that game. They were running some stuff through him. So uh, I'd like to see that. He'll make some of those attempts at the rim. Like his his up and under was a really nice athletic move. Mm -hmm. He was just a little short on the finish. Uh, this is a guy that is a good athlete. He's strong. Uh, he's, he's actually, you know, quietly, I know the sample size probably isn't uh, that big right now, but has shot the free throw a little bit better uh, here of late, I think. So uh, I don't have a problem him being aggressive around the basket. I think there's still some times there was uh, a moment or two in the second half. I feel like he gets it five feet within the basket and, and looks to pass out a little bit, uh, maybe too soon. But uh, just it, it's a progression. I think sometimes 
based on him, you know, being forced into this starting point guard role, obviously the expectation level is elevated, but he's still just a sophomore, yeah. uh, you know, early in this season and, and playing a new position. So uh, this could potentially, I know that the opponent wasn't a high major by any means, but could be a growth point for him uh, of, of being someone that can run a little bit more offense through, be a little bit more aggressive. And then we know defensively, I, I think late in the game, he did, he was getting beat off the dribble and Brad was getting into him a little bit, but on the whole, I mean, he's had a great start to this year yeah. defensively. Uh, he's defended really well on the perimeter. And when he's rebounding like he was today, you know, tied his career high with eight rebounds. Uh, that's that You'll take that all day long from him. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned free throws. That, that brings us to this point. First uh, seven games, Derek, this team was shooting 57% from the free throw line. Last three games, 62 of 70. That's 89 percent. It's partly Domask getting there a lot, Shannon getting there a lot, but Danger goes one for two. Quincy's starting to make his free throws. Ty, as you said, starting to make his free throws. That's really encouraging for for this team that's going to be in a lot of close games, and even against Tennessee and you know Florida Atlantic, they made free throws, so they were always giving themselves a chance there. Um, they need to because this team can get a lot of free throws, and if Danger's making fifty percent or more, Ty Rogers is making fifty percent or more, you have no concerns about Shannon Domask. I would throw Coleman Hawkins in there, Justin Harmon. Those Goody. guys are going to make free th- Goody, yeah. Uh, probably not going to get there much. But, yeah, see, he's battling on the boards, at least, that gives him a, a chance. So uh, that's encouraging because that's, that's a huge weak point uh, of this team. And they have shot the three here here better here recently. Uh, I think four straight games over 33%. So that's encouraging too. Yeah. And, I, you know, they responded to the, the Twitter mob that says, hey, they don't practice free throws. Why don't they do that? That, that would be a novel idea. Obviously just practicing them a lot more during these uh, longer weeks there. Apparently. And they're even showing you, if you watch the uh, the media availability videos that we post, uh, I, I think the, the sound guys, like, you know, if you want good audio quality on the videos or especially we replay that stuff on the radio and you hear all the bouncing balls, it's not ideal, but – you had like the whole team shooting free throws after practice the other day when we were in there. So uh, it does happen. They do practice free throws. And Can now confirm, you have the, yes. Now you have the results to, to back that thing up. So, I mean, that's that's good for sure. I mean, close games is what you tend to associate with Big Ten play, maybe even bragging rights, even though I know you'd, you'd like to be in a more comfortable lead down the stretch against a team that, you know, on paper you, you're better than. But uh, that's key to being able to – make those closing time moments a little more sweat free, especially yeah. if you got the lead and teams are going to foul you. But uh, that's been uh, an encouraging point here recently. Sorry, four of the last five games, they've shot 35% from three or better. They shot only 25% against Tennessee when they jacked all those up. Um, all right, Derek, bragging rights. John Gross is really good at this. Brad Underwood has not been. Brad Underwood has been a big improvement for this program, obviously. But this is the one game he has struggled with. And for a lot of it, it just seems like – Missouri's been more up for this game because Illinois often has the better team. The one year they won was Kofi's last year. Alfonso Plummer, uh, I believe, went off. Trent Frazier's had some good games there. But uh, they've lost four or five to Missouri. Uh, and Missouri is a – they're certainly a you know power six team with some talents. But uh, they lost some, some good talent from last year that really hurt Illinois. Uh, so big game, Derek, because if you, if you wrap this one up – with Fairleigh Dickinson after that, 
you feel like you had a pretty good non-conference here with a marquee win over Fort Atlantic. No big missteps. Your two losses are at home to a Marquette team we think can make the Final Four, a Tennessee team that potentially can make a Final Four. Both those top 10 Ken Palm teams. Uh, wrap this up with a, a good win over Missouri, but you got to bring it, Derek. So we, we know you can actually throw out the records in this one. The last five years have, have proven that. For whatever reason, Missouri's taking it personally. Uh, Illinois, not as much. I, I know that with the roster turnover, uh, I mean, guys like Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, I mean, that was not only a loss to Missouri last year, that might have been the most embarrassing Illinois defeat as far as I can remember. I mean, they were down like 36 at one point, weren't they? I mean, yeah. it was it was on the – it might have set the record for the largest loss Illinois had in the bragging rights. So uh, that's something they should probably be thinking about. Uh, and then also, you know, you, you get Quincy, you get Justin, you get Marcus. Probably, you know, obviously don't have the familiarity with it. Maybe Brad just needs to go to his strategy pre-Rutgers, where uh, where he just you know, goes with the tough practices. Because Harmon had a good line going about the Rutgers uh, lead, lead up. He's like, we just needed to take it out on somebody. We were so mad that uh, we got ran like that, and those practices were so tough that we we had to take it out on on the opponent. So uh, maybe that's the key there. But uh, again, kind of in line with today i do expect this team to handle it more maturely to prepare yeah. to uh it, it just seem more more trustworthy than the last year's team uh and obviously some others out there i mean missouri they came away with a win at minnesota but they were down by like 20 in that game uh they're not they, they shouldn't be in illinois league at least in terms of on paper but yeah so they have they've played Let's see, what, six top 100 Kempom teams. They lost at home to Memphis by 15 points. Um, they beat Minnesota on the road. They beat Pittsburgh on the road, 71-64. Uh, lost on the road to Kansas. And then they lost a semi-home game to Seton Hall today, 93-87. to Also lost to Jacksonville State or Jackson State at home. Uh, beat Wichita State at home. But still, yeah, this is not... This is not as I mean, Kobe Brown's gone, right? Was it Nick Honors? Hodge, another Maury guy that heard Illinois uh, transfer from Cleveland State. Yeah, yeah. So Sean East and, and Nick Honor and Noah Carter have been their three big players this year. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be a, a better test than certainly you got against Colgate, Derek. But Illinois had bigger tests, but you have more talent. You have the better team. Go show it. Um, and this is where I think Terrence Shannon is so important. He's a guy who's should be embarrassed about last year's game. Needs to bring that leadership. Needs to bring that assertiveness right from the tip. Yeah, and we saw – I know Terrence's career at Illinois is not going to be as long, two years versus Io's three. Io never won in the bragging rights. I don't know that, that – amazing? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty disappointing for him, knowing how, all the accolades that he got. But uh, never got to touch the bragging rights trophy, and I would imagine that Terrence wants to make sure that uh, he gets his hands on that, at least especially after – It's the biggest trophy you can win in college I basketball. Know, right? Like literally yeah. the biggest. I think it's huge. But, uh, yeah, it really does just come down to intensity. Obviously, you got to be able to execute. And uh, Missouri's going to have some athletes, and, and they're going to you know, – they can play a high-scoring game. But uh, Illinois' defense uh, should be able to make things tough on them. And if they get especially some of these other guys, you know, Marcus has, has played well uh, outside of Tennessee, but he's really seemed like a guy that has more of a solidified role offensively. Quincy's coming on nicely. Coleman's playing well. That's a nice supporting cast around Terrence to where uh, I feel like Illinois is, is clicking well enough that they should feel good going into this game. But it, whatever it is, yeah, you just got to have a little bit of a, a fire under you because Missouri's yeah. found a way to do it, whatever the secret sauce is there. 
Is the Big Ten back, Derek, after this weekend? They just needed me to dog on them in a column. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they uh, apparently didn't like that. But it was a good weekend for the Big Ten. Right. And I think – I said it, you know, I I think Illinois fans – I. I get you know being happy that Indiana didn't come away with that one uh, against Kansas, but uh, it's good for the Illini as far as the resume chances that some of this these guys around the conference can pick things up. Michigan State just blasting Baylor uh, was huge. Obviously, Ohio State beating UCLA. You know, another team they're not going to be a quad one win at home, but another team that's kind of played well is Nebraska. Yeah, they won K State. <laughs> Michigan State and K State, so like they're starting to put together a little bit better resume. You wish you had them on the road, so it could potentially be a quad one. But that's big for Ohio State to beat UCLA, for Michigan State to perform like they did against Baylor. That's the Michigan State team I think everyone kind of expected. Even Indiana, man, like that was that was a great game against Kansas. I, for them, though, it feels like man, if Illinois had found a way to lose to Ford Atlantic, because you're. You don't know if you're going to get a game like that again from Trey Galloway and Bakway was awesome. So like, uh, if it, it, that that one stings for them and their resume because it could be the difference of seed lines or getting in the tournament. But uh, they looked good at least. Like Khalil Ware is legit. He's living up to his talent and the hype. Uh, and, and they're a team that's going to be difficult. And you just hope for Illinois. You know the opportunities you have against some of these teams, you, you take advantage of, uh, and you're able to beat some of them because these are some of your quad one potentially opportunities but Purdue if you get a win against Purdue that is a marquee game because man nobody is as impressive as that I know they lost Northwestern in overtime but that team has beaten Gonzaga Tennessee Marquette Alabama Arizona that is five top 20 Ken Palm teams already they look really really good I mean last year it, it was kind of the ongoing okay we, we know they're going to win the big 10 but are, are they built for march they're going to go deep or are they the, the quote-unquote top team in the country uh braden smith and, and fletcher lawyer both i'll throw i'll throw both those guys in the same category freshmen that are now sophomores definitely look like they've taken the step forward more trustworthy uh lance jones transferred from siu has, has added a nice boost to them as well and, and he's just a he's a monster so uh that looks like a team that you know final four and whatnot i mean they they're they're a machine, and if you, the great thing is you get two cracks at them. Well, that's uh, great. You, like you want to play Purdue twice this year, right? It helps your strength of schedule, helps your net. But yeah, if you can win one of those, uh, I mean, the final stretch for Illinois, I can't wait for that. At Iowa, Purdue, and at or at Wisconsin, sorry, Purdue, and then at Iowa, that's yeah. going to be a great three game stretch where where Illinois can really add to its resume potentially. Hundred percent. Yeah, Wisconsin's looked pretty good so far. You know, they're not they weren't in that group that we were kinda of wanting more from. They they've had a really nice start to their season. So that that's a chance that as you roll into to postseason play, a chance to really kind of we'll see if Illinois is in that Big Ten title chase, it, it, how that looks. You know, Purdue does already have a loss in their resume. Uh Illinois with a nice start and then uh get Northwestern early and then at Purdue. Uh, you know, they they have a chance to to really make that interesting if they can win. At Mackey, I know that's a really, really tough ask, but uh, just the that'd be yeah. among the best wins in the country if you can get that on January fifth. <laughs> it would be, it definitely would be. Um, I know, you know, Johnny Davis and company a couple of years ago uh, when he was a, a bona fide All American, whatnot. You know, we're we're able to go in there and get one. Can Can Terrence Shannon, as a guy that's playing like yeah. that, uh, be able to do it? But uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be extremely fun to finish that thing out and. Look, it, it, just to kind of circle back and get Michigan State twice, so it's good that mm -hmm. they're up to 23 in Ken Palm. They jump like 10 spots. Uh, a team that can right the ship a little bit, that'd be good in terms of your opportunities against them. 
Uh, so it, it'll be one heck of a finish. And then obviously go into Big Ten tournament play and whatnot. But yeah. uh, you got to like kind of circle it back. Illinois, where they're at right now, they, they look like a team that's going to be a, a contender, a team that's going to have a chance for a, a decent seed in March. And the way they're playing right now, I, I'd be pretty encouraged. Yeah, win bragging rights. Feel good for the holidays. You feel good going into the new year. Uh, got to apologize. We didn't do this podcast right away because Derek and I were ready to celebrate a Bears win. And then that did not happen. <sighs> Derek. What happened? That hurt so bad. That that pained me. I mean, Robert Tunyon, like, this is why we don't take the Packers trash. Luke Getze <laughs> is part of the Packers yes. trash. I want to put that out there. Uh, I don't know. You just lose out now, right, Derek? Because like, you and I are rooting for a new coaching staff. Derek's team, Justin Fields. I'm team, I want Justin Fields to be great, yeah. but probably if we get the number one pick. But the Panthers even won today, so what a crappy day. Yeah, what's up with that? I thought we were just gonna enjoy Joey Wagner and just his pain. We were, we were, pain. we were celebrating his Packers pain, and then we joined him just about twenty minutes later. So that's on us. Yeah, he. I mean, Baker Mayfield throwing for four touchdowns, have a perfect QB rating, and and Joey was wearing it very uh, visibly. And mm-hmm. then we got our own uh, dose of well, what we've been getting pretty much. I was our gonna whole say we we expected so. it, like we expected that to happen when it was seventeen to ten. And uh, how how do we find a way to lose this? Joey just is not used to these things. He's not used to being completely mediocre uh, and and without a ton of hope. So um, I guess at least he's there with us right now. But he's still looking down at us in the standings. So we got to figure that out at some point. It's true. I would like. I've been telling him that you know his team's gonna take a loss week eighteen in Lambeau, but um, maybe we should just lose out. Yeah, I'm with if, you now. if we are five and eleven, Derek, are you rooting for the win against the Packers? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. You know me, like you said, I'm Team Justin Fields. I might want him in his in his final game in a Bears uniform at that point to to ball out and and Could be. and allow me to remember the good times at the very end. I, I, I'm not conceding. I'm not saying it's over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, today, today stinks for sure. I, I'm I'm with you, Derek. Like Justin Fields is him and Jay Cutler, the two most talented quarterbacks I've seen in a Bears uniform. But when you get the chance at the number one pick, so I I'm Derek is full team Fields. I am I want Fields. It'd be great if he could do it. Could he succeed with Marvin Harrison and all that talent around him? I think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but if you do think Caleb Williams is is that level or Drake May's next level, you probably got to take a chance in the cap, all of that stuff. But it's a fascinating time to be a Bears fan because there is hope, but there's also just like we should be better, like we should be better, and that that's on the that's on the coaching staff. Like two and seven yes. starts should not have happened, and finding ways to lose games like this should not happen. The Broncos game, the Lions game in Detroit, mm. this game, all big leads in the fourth quarter, and we we blew them. So. Uh, the silver lining is, yeah, maybe this is uh, going to make sure that Eberflus is gone and that uh, Getsy should be gone regardless of who's the head coach. And, yeah, um, yeah if, if we don't have a new like coaching staff, what's the point of drafting a new quarterback? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's much true. Anyway. That's true. We just need uh, the Panthers. Get right. I mean, today had to feel good, but – you know, the Patriots, uh, they're, they're coming. Lost today, they're coming. So, uh, they're, they're coming for you. So, help us out. Help a brother out. We'll get a top two pick regardless. And that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's Better good. than picking the Colts because Gardner Minshew is doing, doing great things. So, at least Ryan Poles did that right. That's your Bears couple minutes from Derek Piper and Jeremy Warner. Uh, Piper, thank you as always, man. I'll see you at Bragging Rights. Sounds good. Always fun. Great stuff from Derek Piper. Uh, thanks to him for filling in uh, on the Michael Tulip 
podcast last week. I, I enjoyed the heck out of it listening to those two talk some hoops. So uh, didn't lose anything. Probably gained something there. And that's not my false humility. Those guys know hoops better than I do. So uh, thank you to him for that. Sorry for fewer podcasts last week, but my wife and I got away for a little getaway to Charleston, South Carolina. Great food, great history, great architecture. My wife loved that. Uh, and it was a good time. So got away for a little bit before this hectic time of the transfer portal, basketball season, and signing day. And speaking of the transfer portal and signing day, yes, we'll have podcasts about that. We've been writing all about it, so our VIP members know what's going on, and we've talked about all of it. So we will have more on the transfer portal and signing day coming up. Illinois had four visitors on campus this weekend uh, for transfer. So uh, we'll probably wait a little bit to see what happens from that before doing a full podcast on it. Uh, but we will do our signing day podcast. We did that live last year, and our plan is to do it noon central time, probably till about 2. Hope to get a couple commits on the show, potentially some other guests on the show. Uh, so check us out on the YouTube channel. We'll put that on the podcast as well. But our signing day special will happen on Wednesday, December 20th for the early signing period. And uh, we'll get to talk to Brett Bielma at some point uh, during that day, not here on the podcast, but after the day. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that. We had a lot of fun last year with a couple of the signees coming on with us, talking about it, breaking down the class. Ryan Easterling came out and gave his thoughts on the class as well. So we got all of that coming up. And then we got bragging rights, and then it's the holidays. Uh, so we'll take a little time off probably from the podcast during that time, uh, though we'll be flexible with any kind of breaking news. But we got a lot more coming up here on the Online Inquirer podcast. So as always, give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on the YouTube channel. Hit that notifications bell. Subscribe to us. You know when that signing day show starts. Uh, and uh, follow us there. It really, really helps us out. And right now we got a 50% off VIP sale. So if you want all the insight right now about what's going on in the transfer portal uh, and signing day, we got so much signing day coverage. Been working the last week on that. Uh, got breakdowns of all the players. Got our superlatives coming up. So now's a good time to sign up. 50% off your first year of VIP membership. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.